damn it! I, <laughs> there's a reason we went over the rules at the top of this. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 109 of Unscripted. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always is the general of beer growlers, (laughs) Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, man. Always always enjoy our conversations. It's always the thing that kind of gets me going for the day. So I'm doing well. How are you? Kirby, I'm doing great. I'm so glad you asked. I am doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in Franklin, Tennessee. And you know who else is having a beautiful day, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? That'd be the good folks at CoLab. You know, CoLab launched this week at the ASI show. Uh, so I don't have to give the dates out for that anymore because, <laughs> hey, it's it's happening right now as we talk uh, about this. And it'll when this drops, it'll be in the past tense. Yep. Um, but we all know a little bit about CoLab, that those two partner companies in T-Shirt Tycoon and mm-hmm. Bam Bams, uh, Adam Walterscheid, Ben Taylor, Those innovators are looking to give distributors that single PO solution with that single project manager for all their private label needs. I had a quick discussion via text last night with the good man that is Adam Walterscheid, and he said the traffic was phenomenal. He said that the the feedback he got from distributors was nothing short of amazing. And I think, and you and I have talked about this, they are on to big things because they want to focus on providing that transparent supply chain combined with the highest level of compliance. And that's what's demanded by corporate markets and consumer brands today. So I know you're as excited about it as I am. I am indeed, my friend. I'm excited. Well, I know that they've spent a lot of time with distributors uh, at the ASI show. So you guys need to look up some big, big things from CoLab. And if you'd like to learn more, maybe you didn't make it out to the ASI show in Chicago, go to ttycoon.com slash CoLab. Find out a little bit more about how they can put their expertise to work for you and make it easier for you to get that single PO solution across that global supply chain. Awesome. Kirby, are you ready to broadcast at a copper level today. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a vinyl level because Ooh. all of my topics today are music themed. Wow. You okay. didn't know that. No, I didn't. And, <laughs> and all mine are like hardcore industry themed. So okay. this would be interesting. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Sure. And when I say that it's music themed, I, it's really just topics, but I'm giving it a music title. So, you know, you know t- what? That is outstanding, sir. Okay. All right. So let's start with Van Halen. Yes. Kirby, (laughs) let's do start with Van Halen. How can I help you? Van Halen jump. So when you're working on a project, a job change, a big decision, how do you know? How do you know when it's time to jump? How do you know when it's time to to make the big move? Whether like and, and again, back to the the project. Not necessarily a job change or a big decision, but just, hey, we're kicking around this great idea. But when do we know when it's time to execute? When? How do we know when it's time to jump? Okay, so I'm looking at it two ways. So I'm answer it both ways I'm looking at it. One is when do you know when to execute, when it's time to stop planning and start doing, I think right. is really what you're asking. Yep. But I think another component of that is when do you know, hey, this isn't going to work. It's, <laughs> it's not even worth executing. When's the time to jump out of this? So let's right. look at both. Okay. I think uh, – let me answer the, the last one first. I think you know as you go through the planning stages – when you start losing energy and passion for the project, that's when it's time to cut bait. Because right. 
as you and I talk about, and I think we've both written about this, I know we've both said it in the podcast, ideas are easy and cheap. <laughs> yep. Um, that's why you and I, and I've said it publicly, I know you have too, you and I have no issues sharing our ideas in a public platform because I know, we both know people won't execute. Right. For the most part. Yep. For the most part. So I don't worry about people stealing my ideas at all. I don't care. Right. And I don't think you do either. But when I start losing my own passion for a project, when I feel like it's work, mm. that's when it's time for me to, to at least, at the very least, pull back and reassess. Why am I doing this? Why am I burning calories on this? Why am I spending valuable time on this? Yeah. No, I agree. Now, as far as when do you execute, to me, and, and again, this is my approach, and I'd really like to hear yours. It may be a little bit different. It may be exactly the same. I, really, I actually really don't know. When I have an idea, and I'll give kind of an example. We have an idea for what we're going to do at our expo booth this year. And my, my goal is always to cause a spectacle. <laughs> right. To me, as soon as I can put the idea on paper, kind of map out the skeleton, map out the bones, at that point, you start executing. Right. You start executing almost immediately. Because I will tell you, having been through so many things that people will plan to death. <laughs> and I think that's why things don't happen. Yeah. You can't it, it's like if people actually waited until they were quote unquote ready to have children, none of us would be here. Right. <laughs> you know, there is no right time for that. There's no there's never enough money in the bank. There's never enough, you know, um uh comfort and safety where you feel like this is the perfect time to have a kid. There's always a little bit of trepidation. And I think the same thing with an idea leading to uh, something that's real. There's mm -hmm. never a good time. And I always use the example. I've been uh, fortunate to be part of several acquisition teams in the industry and outside the industry where a company was purchased and I was on the transition team. So I was mm -hmm. on it from the get-go. And I will tell you, you can plan. And you were part of that too. When, mm -hmm. when, I, yep. when I was over at Halo Lee Wayne and that organization acquired JII, Jordan yep. Industries, yep. in, what was it, 2004, I think, 2003, 2004, right, yeah. right around there. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, you can spend nine months planning having meetings almost daily. And I will tell you, we did. And there's going to be something that happens on day one you didn't account for. Right. And that's where my mind is always at. So there's never a perfect time to execute. The time to execute is now. The time to start moving the ball forward is now. You're going to hit speed bumps. You're going to hit resistance. You're going to hit friction. You're going to hit hurdles. You just have to push through them. Or if it's too big of a hurdle or a friction point, you need to maybe pull back and reassess, is this worth continuing? Yeah. That's how I'm going to answer your Van Halen-themed question, Kirby. Now, what about you? When do you know when it's time to execute? Is it different than my perspective or is it about the same? So I think that I'm, I'm very much a ready, fire, aim person. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually to the point where I need to overcome that to a little bit, right? Um, and so it's funny because I think in most couples or most organizations, you've got your idea person and then you've got your logistics person. And I read a book by John Acuff once and it gave me a ton of help on this because mm -hmm. I'll continue to be much more like you in the sense that I, once we've mapped it out a little bit, I want to go see how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but my rule, and, and Acuff talks about this, is that what happens is the idea person comes up with something and they're like, right. Hey, I've got this great idea. And they, they run it by the logistics person and the logistics person starts to, well, but what about this? What about yep. this? What about this? And the idea person hears that as objections, mm -hmm. whereas the logistics person is just trying to help. Right. right. And so, uh, my rule with my wife, who is more the logistics person is, um, Hey, I've got this idea. I'm not going to mortgage the house on it. Right. Just let me say it out loud and, and 
give it to you. And then tomorrow, or, you know, give me 24 hours and then let's talk about it again kind of thing. And what I found is that's a really good way for me to, to vet ideas a little bit better to see whether they're worth executing on. Because if right. in two to three days, my wife thinks it's a pretty good idea, then I'm probably going to start charging headfirst at it, if that makes any sense. Because then it it's given me a chance to cool down right on on the idea and to think right. through some of the stuff that I don't automatically think through and it's given her a chance to go okay you're not going to mortgage the house and now I'm going to give you some things to think about right. <laughs> without insulting the idea and so that's once we get through that then I'm pretty much ready to jump yeah no I get it I, I, I makes complete sense to me good topic Kirby I really like that one that's Thanks, a good man. one all right cool okay in the last week, there have been some industry moves, Kirby. I'm pretty sure you're aware. Dana Zezzo, the good time player man, Dana Zezzo, <laughs> yep. is moving from the supplier side. He uh, was over at Imagine Brands, and now he's at the distributor side yeah. at American Solutions for Business uh, with Justin Zavadil. And he is going to be there, I think, vice president of marketing and uh, supplier relations. Okay. And then Steve Parker, and I think you know Steve. Yeah, I do. Uh, hey, longtime Halo sales rep. He's moving from that distributor side on the Halo, has a Halo sales rep, to the supplier side as he is going to the West Coast regional manager or West Coast manager for Starline. Yeah. I am sure, I have no doubt, that they're both going to excel in their positions. That's not what this is about. Okay. My question to you is, is it harder to go from the distributor side to the supplier side? Or more difficult to go from the supplier side to the distributor side? Wow. I don't know. Um, if I'm just being honest, because I've not done it. So I don't want to yeah. like pretend. No, it's, it's, it's a perspective, because I haven't yeah. really done it either. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would think, and, and I, here's, here's what I would say. I would say it would depend on the position you're going into where you're going to. So what I would say right. is, if going from um, uh, Dana's position, I think mm -hmm. that's going to be a really... I actually think both of these guys are are put in pretty good positions. Mm -hmm. I think going from a supplier like sales rep side, let's, let's let me just say that to a distributor side sales rep would be very challenging, just because of the the compensation change, right? right. I think one of the challenges that, that that a distributor often has, and certainly not all of them are straight commission, but there's a percentage no. that are. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that would be. Um, the challenge I see there. On the other side, man, I see that again. I'm talking sales rep stuff. The lifestyle that the the supplier sales reps and the multi line reps lead is a like I don't envy that. I think they work really hard, and so um, I don't know which would be harder to do, but I think there'd be individual challenges each way. Um, I, I disagree with you. Okay. Uh, I do. I do think there's challenges. I'm not going to disagree with that. Obviously, there's going to be challenges, but I think it's far more difficult for a distributor to go to the supplier side. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. As a distributor, you have direct control over what mm. you present to your end user clients, your ultimate client. You have control over what you're selling them. You have direct control over the messaging. You have direct control over everything. Mm -hmm. As a supplier. You have zero control. You have zero access for the most part, let alone control over the ultimate decision maker. So your clients are people like you. You're the sales rep. So let's use Steve Parker as an example. Let's say he shares all about the awesome drink where they have at Starline, and they do. They have that great Urban Peak stuff. I think you just uh, featured that on the top yep. five 
Yep. Things uh, I use every week. <laughs> exactly. So you may or may not share that with a client. He right. has no control over that. And I think I think that's a very difficult thing for someone going from the distributor side to the supplier side to really grasp is how little control you have over that. So here, I'll push back just for the sake of discussion. Because um, when you said they have zero control over what's being shown, I think when you move from the supplier side to the distributor side, you have zero control over production. You have zero control. You are, as I've said before, you're in the in the business of making promises for other people. Right. And when you're on the supplier side, you at least have some levers you could pull if you need to get something done in a certain time frame or timeline. And that's an adjustment too. Uh, it is, but that's not really going to impact your your bottom line as a distributor because you're going to have relationships with someone at a supplier. If you needed to get something done, Kirby, at the suppliers you know, like, and trust, and yep. I'm not going to list them, but you have them. You have your list of your go-tos. You know you can pull some strings and get that th- those things done. So I don't think I, I disagree with you. I right. completely disagree with you. I just think it's more difficult for that distributor to give up all that control mm, because okay. you're really moving from a sales job as a distributor to much more of a relationship building yeah. job as a supplier, and that's that's a different thing. Yeah, that's no, a I'm, different thing. So I, think I, that's I interesting. Your, yeah, I hear your point. I just I just know you're wrong. <laughs> so it's not that unusual, really. <laughs> All right, Kirby, got a topic for me? Yes. Let's talk uh, about the Cinderella song, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, last week. That'd my, be Poison, correct? No, that would be Cinderella. Poison. Cinderella, sorry. Yep, yep. I bet Cinderella. They all kind of blend together. <laughs> yeah, Van Halen, Cinderella, Poison. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of is Van Halen a hair band? They're not a hair band, and I'm not going to have this conversation. We can end this podcast right now. Uh, it's a good thing you didn't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Shut up and give me the topic. <laughs> so, uh, so Emily, my uh, inside sales assistant, uh, went on vacation last week, and I will tell you, it is amazing when you have a really good employee, and M is that, how much you appreciate employees when they're gone. I always right. joke that if I don't miss you when you're on vacation, that's a problem. Right. And Or if you, you look forward to somebody being on vacation, <laughs> that's a real problem. Right. And so it's one of the things that um, I think would be interesting. Obviously, you know, for us, the folks I'm talking about are on site. With you, you've got people all over. Yep. And so, do you find that the same way? It's like when you have a team member that is super valuable and they go out, man, I don't know what I had till till they're gone. Um, yes and no. I'd like to think I'm, and, and I know I don't, this is not going to, this is going to sound like a dig at you. It's completely not because okay. I understand where the question's coming from. I'd like to think that I'm aware enough to know the good employees that I have to almost be re- know when they're going to be out of town, even before they leave, that I've got a challenging week ahead of me to right. fill those gaps. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So it really was not a dig at you. So sure. to answer your question, yes, I, I there are, uh, I, I'm blessed to have a great team. And I know when people are out of town, it's like, okay, I better step up my game and, and make sure everything gets done because you, do, you, I think what it is, I don't sometimes realize all the things right. that they do because to me, the best workers are the one that work uh, autonomously with minimal direction and minimal – Well, yeah. And one of the things I would also say is that one of the things I'm proud of is I've hired people who are really good at things that I don't, I'm not very good at or I don't enjoy doing. And so 
I, I tend to fill in a lot of those roles when they're gone. Yep. And so like, for example, uh, with them, all of a sudden I'm managing customer service stuff, which is very detailed and very, right. and I'm like, Oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's not that I don't know what they do. It's just, it, uh, it is a very public kick in the face reminder of how awesome they are. But, you know, also look at it as an awesome reminder of how well you hire. And I mean that because yeah. if, if you're having that type of experience when people leave as a, or, you know, take a, a little bit of a break or vacation, as opposed to, man, I'm so ready for a week without that person. <laughs> yeah. You're hiring well, yeah. as you and I, I think we've talked about hiring is one of the most challenging things to get right. Yeah. That's so, a good one. Good okay, one. cool. Okay, so I, I when I when I need a topic, all I need to do is go to Facebook, go to <laughs> Promotional <laughs> Products Facebook group. Okay. And, and one popped up late yesterday, so much so that I already kind of plotted out my topics for today. And this one made it made it the final cut, not the Pink Floyd album from 1983. <laughs> um, so there's someone at the ASI show. Oh yeah, who I think I saw this. Yeah, was upset because. One of their clients, it was a distributor who was at the P, uh, the ASI show in Chicago, and saw one of their clients, one of an end user at the show that apparently was invited by another distributor right. to to go to the show, and they were very upset. And I didn't even go into the comments because I could tell you with a ninety seven percent degree accuracy of what people are saying. Right. I want to get your take on that though. Mm-hmm. Do you have an issue with you know ASI and and they don't necessarily allow it, but they they certainly it's not. It's, it's impossible for them to police that. Right. It really is. And, and so I'm not. This is not me. Uh, you know, castigating ASI mm-hmm. because the same thing happens at PPAI Expo. You can't police that 100. percent Do you think there needs to be a policy change where there needs to be an end user component at those large shows, or maybe there it's an open tent philosophy and you say, yeah, we allow end users here. They just have to wear a specific badge that says end user, so people know how to talk to them. Yeah. No. I think that change. If you want to in allow them, then yes, a policy change is necessary. Like as a rule, whenever I see posts like this on uh, the promotional products professionals page, I kind of roll my eyes. This is actually one that I didn't. Um, I I actually think, no, that would catch me the hell off guard. And I would be super annoyed if one of my competitors brought like that, that you are, you know, I am uh, cool and not cool. I'm actually in favor of the transparency of the supply chain and all that stuff. But, but you know, this isn't, there are other industries that are like this. You don't invite, um, the end user into a thing where the wholesales wholesalers are at. That's just Mm -hmm. not in, in a lot of industries, not just ours. And so I do like the idea if that's something that people want to do, that they create sort of an end user experience. If you want to do that, I'm totally down with it. But if you're not going to do it, then we as distributors need to be smart enough to not, like, it's not smart for anyone. Um, So this is one that I actually was like, oh, that would have caught me off guard too. Yeah, it would have caught me off guard. And and I agree with you. What I do think though, you know, having exhibited shows and attended shows for almost 20 years now, I do think it's time to have more of an open tent philosophy at the mm-hmm. show. And mm-hmm. because there is so little mystery and magic left in what we do, the, the last thing we really have, I don't say the last thing, that, that sounds bad, but one of the things that we still have is the depth and breadth of our industry that end users simply don't understand. Right. They can't understand it. A catalog's not going to explain it, but a trade show does. And so ASI Chicago is a two-day show, for example. 
I think in, in, in traffic dies the last three hours of the show. After mm. noon, after noon on day two, it's a ghost town. That's not a shot at ASI. That's just how these things work. Yeah. Most what? trade shows like that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, whatever. Regional shows work like that. PPI works like that. Mm-hmm. It all works that way. Why not have an hour break? Say, you know what? A half hour break. Clear the floor at noon. At 1230, distributors, bring your end users. We're going to charge you, Mr. or Mrs. Distributor, 15 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks per end user. Yeah, they have to be. It, first of all, it's an, uh, an additional revenue stream. Second of all, it gives uh, suppliers a chance to really do what we just talked about with Steve Parker. Yeah, have right. that direct access to really sell specific products that look very similar on pieces of paper. I think. I think you're. If I'm ASI or PPA, I think you're missing a golden opportunity. Now, yeah, are you going to get some backlash for that? Absolutely, because, again, what is this industry founded upon, Curly? <laughs> Kirby? I called you Curly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so, because you've, you're a mild, mild alcoholic and paranoid. Uh, well, here's the deal. <laughs> right, our in- Thank you, Curly. Our industry is founded on complete paranoia and mild alcoholism. And, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, but really it's, it's the paranoia that always floors me, how paranoid people are. So you're going to get a pushback if you did that as an organization if PPAI or ASI did that but wow I think it would be huge for our industry actually I think it'd be super interesting and I think it, especially if you can combine it with an education component I think that would be a really no I, I I would be totally down with it but I think again it would be about being intentional about it right well you'd have to be intentional yeah, about it right. you can't be uh, you know accidental about it you'd have to be super intentional about it plan it out and understand that you're going to get pushed back from some people sure yeah, but you know the the pushback from some people though. I think that's going to happen no matter what you do. So no I can't, you you can't make decisions based on that. All right, do you have a quick one, Kirby? Sure thing. Or do you not have a quick one? I I, I do. Uh, let's see. I will go with uh, Elvis. Viva Las Vegas. Uh, Viva Las Vegas. That's right. And so I just got an email yesterday that David Goggins has been announced as the keynote speaker for PPAI. I saw that. Uh, I'm actually pretty fired up about that. Ex-Navy SEAL, right? That's correct. And uh, for those who – so one of my favorite books I've listened to in the last couple of years is called Living with a Seal. Mm -hmm. And it's by uh, Jesse Itzler. He's actually coming out with a new one uh, right now, actually. Um, But when that book came out – no, nobody had really heard of David Goggins. Right. And so um, he is a really interesting dude, um, and I am fired up. This is one of those where I think a lot of people, when they see it, they'll be like, who's this guy? I'm telling you, l- listen to Living with a Seal. He is hardcore. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I'm not super familiar with uh, David but obviously, anytime someone has former Navy SEAL in <laughs> right. bio, I'm immediately impressed and immediately drawn to it. So I'm looking looking forward to it. I've got a quick one, and then I'd love to jump into fill in the blank and all that. Cool. So there was a post on Promotional Products Professionals about uh, what's your elevator pitch. It was a really interesting post. I actually read every comment and comment to comments and all that. And I wanted to know what your elevator pitch, what is your positioning statement as a distributor um, for Hassman Marketing when you are either asked, hey, what do you do for a living? Or you know, you meet someone at a networking event. What is your value proposition? How do you explain what you do and the value you provide? We're the premier marketing and media company in Ohio. We deliver marketing joy. Love that. Love that. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it better roll off, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's one of those things. I, be, I better be able to wake you up at 317 in the morning from a cold, dead sleep and say, what's your positioning statement? And you go, exactly what you just said. Yeah. Let me share mine with you because this is one I used when I was a distributor. Companies like X and Y, and of course, you name the companies, right? You name drop a little bit. Companies mm-hmm. like X and Y hire me to help them not only reach their target audience in a meaningful way, but move that audience to action. Yeah. I like that. I think, so those are some as, – as people are looking for a positioning statement and not list just all the products that can be decorated <laughs> in our industry, which drives me completely batshit crazy. Yep. There's two really good ones. I actually really like yours because it ties in your whole theme of delivering marketing joy. And I like mine because you, you, you lend credibility to what you do by saying companies like you know Bridgestone and Allstate hire me to because I do this. Yeah. No, those are bo- – I, I like those. It is easy though, right? Because when people look at you, sometimes you get lazy yeah. when they're like, what do you mean? Well, we do T-shirts and pens and candy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I understand why people do it. It's just it, – it's important to – to, well, to elevate. To use your phrase, they're not being intentional about what they do and they're right. not showing the value of what they do by just listing things. But you know who does show a lot of value in what they do, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? I'd be the good people at Vault Promotions. You know, we've talked a lot about them recently. And I want to talk about what their program actually is called. It's called the Badge Vault. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, name badges we've talked about can be a major pain point for a distributor, right? Yep. Um, because you feel it's not profitable. And I know you, you, you've been a distributor forever. It's, it's a challenging to sell yep. badges. It's easier to sell 500 can coolers, right, to a small client to hand out a golf event than 20 to 50 personalized name badges, right? Right. Especially because they need one this month and two next month when they hire Kelsey or Amanda. And then they need two more the following month when they hire Lori and Josette. It's just not worth all the admin time to process those onesies, twosies orders, right? And you can't right. charge the client enough. You're not going to make profit. You're not marketing it up that much. And this is the main reason people, uh, when they, they don't want to sell badges right. because of that type of thing. Well, the badge vault eliminates that friction point, Kirby, and I know you want to hear more about it. So I do. Oh, I thought you did. So it allows the distributor to sell badges in bulk with the flexibility to release them one or two at a time as their clients need them. Mm-hmm. So you can invoice the job one time, which makes it super, super easy. Everything's paid in advance. The end user receives a product. Nothing is billed or charged. So everything down to the shipping is included and paid for. And once, the rele- once they're released, the badges can ship every, uh, in 24 to 48 hours. So it's a super quick turnaround. And this can operate in two ways, Kirby. One is they can set up a custom branded end user website. For them, the end user can simply log in, see how many pieces they have left in inventory, view all the previous transactions, and release new pieces as needed, as few as one at a time. So the distributor's not even involved at that point, which is great. They've already sold the program. This is something that Vault will build. Or they can integrate existing web store platforms being used for the end user. So if they have a website, a web store set up through uh, 451 or OrderForge or so, any of the other uh, online portals, you can simply add badges as one more product. And they're going to integrate right into their system. Cool. So they want to, you know, what their goal is again is to make it, they go the extra mile to take all the pissy and shitty admin work of badge release programs <laughs> out of your hands. They make it easy for you to do. Um, and they want to automate the system as much as possible. And it makes it easy for the end user. So it's a really good experience for everybody. So, you know, w- you and I, we're pretty convinced people are going to love working with Vault once they get started, right? Absolutely. So 
they want to look at people at Vault want to offer EQP on that first order. So go ahead and visit vaultpromos.com slash unscripted and get the details. Really good people there, and they make badge ordering so easy. Kirby, are you ready for some fill-in-the-blank? I am ready for some non-pissy fill-in-the-blank. All right. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Go for it. All right. Terrell Owens was recently elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he is declining to participate in the actual ceremony in Canton, Ohio, in about a week and a half. So Terrell Owens declining to participate in that Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony is? Typical. You know, <laughs> like, Terrell Owens is such an asshat. Like, literally, like, he's one of those guys that you go, oh, man, if you – had the sense and and personality that that matched your talent like you would have been a first ballot hall of famer the reason he's being pissy for lack of a better term about this is because he wasn't a first ballot hall of famer by the way neither was chris carter like there's a lot of people who have had to back up like this is one of those moments where you're like dude just stop being you uh you're, you're you get in your own way so I, I i'm not a fan of this particular action and i i think he's totally a hall of fame guy and all that sort of thing but just stop you just put it away he is the biggest screwball this side of chad ochocinco <laughs> yeah um couldn't agree with you more i the only thing i would disagree with he's not a hall of fame guy from what i can tell i yeah. think he's a hall of fame player fair yeah yeah that's what i mean. all right go ahead kirby all right, back to music. Yes, so sir. recently, Amy and I on He Said, She Said talked about our guilty song pleasures. Mm-hmm. What the what you would call your guilty song pleasure is? Firework by Katy Perry. <laughs> I freaking love a well-constructed pop song. I do. I'm a sucker for it. And I will tell you, that song comes on the radio I yeah, you hear it front to back. I love that song. It is. Okay. It makes me happy. It makes me smile. If I danced, I would dance listening to it. No, awesome. Katy Perry, Firework. And do you like how I had that right in my back pocket? Ready I, to go? I, yeah, I was impressed with the with the the quickness of that answer. For impressed sure. or concerned? A little bit of both. All right. Almost always. Okay, so <laughs> let, let me riff on your music theme, if I may. Okay. The musician who would make the best president of the United States is. Wow, the musician who would make the best Justin Timberlake. I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> There's nothing better than when I answer a question and I just hear silence from the other side. Yeah, no, I I think that he is in, incredibly funny, uh, charismatic, talented, and uh, well spoken. And so, yeah, I you know I was going to say Paul McCartney, but you know he can't be he's he's not from the United States. So there you go, Justin Timberlake. Okay. Go ahead, Kirby, your turn. <laughs> What's the one song that everyone seems to love, but you can't stand? Uh... What's that Bruno Mars song? Uh, <laughs> Uptown Funk? Yes. <laughs> that song is like a cheese grater on my spinal cord. It's tough for me to get through it. It's Don't get me wrong. I will tell you right now, I'm not a huge Bruno Mars fan, but I will, I'll be the first one in line to say that is one talented guy. Yeah. So not taking anything away from what he does, his music just doesn't move me. And Uptown Funk is such a complete ass whip to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, just can't it. can't get into it. Give me Katy Perry and Firework, baby. <laughs> of course, of All course. They long. Okay, cool. All right, Kirby. 
the Tour de France is going on right now. Big bicycle race over there mm-hmm. in France or France. You can't say Tour de France. You have to say Tour de France. Right. Exactly. The Tour de France is irrelevant now that wow. Lance Armstrong is not a part of it. Uh, you know, I know that, that mentioning you know Lance Armstrong, everybody freaks out about the idea that he uh, was embroiled in doping, and and I think it really it was more about how he was sort of a bully when people asked. Um, but when he, it's, it, you know, I find Lance Armstrong to be a little bit like Tiger Woods. You can say what you want about him, but at the end of the day, when they're doing well, their sport is more interesting. And so I literally could care less about the Tour de France. And there was a point at which I cared a lot. Okay. So that would, that would be what I would say. Good answer. All right. Yep. Um, I, I, to quote a kind of a lyric it's funny how a melody can bring back a memory. What song or band can totally transport you? Eric Johnson. Um, as much as I have complete, massive love for Van Halen, when I think of music that really moves and stirs my soul, it's Eric Johnson. He, he is a guitar player from Texas, and he has just this way about he, he writes music, both instrumentals and actual songs that just move me always can transport me to certain times and certain places. So I'm going to go with Eric Johnson. I could list dozens, by the way, I could go Willie Nelson. I could go, uh, I could go a million different ways with that, but no, that's uh, a good one. Eric Johnson is my first answer. So I've got one more. Do you have one more just by the way, chamber? Do you, you yes. Okay. I so let's one do one more. Kirby, I am giving you a million dollars tax free right now, just for free wow. because I want to on one condition. You have to donate all $1 million to one cause, every penny of it. The nonprofit you donate that $1 million to is? Wow, that's a really good one. Um, I think I would probably go United Way. Um, I, my wife was involved with the United Way. She was actually the executive director here in Coshocton for a few years. I love the idea that as a group, they, they get together and then disperse it among a bunch of others in each community. And I would, you know, I, I think that in Coshocton, it's probably the go-to. It literally funds a bunch of different nonprofits. And I love the concept. I love the concept that they all get together, united, and then uh, a bunch of organizations have the ability to make an impact. So that would be right off the top of my head. Love it. Good answer. I I think I know the answer to this, but your go-to karaoke song is? Rebel Yell, Billy (laughs) Idol. More, more, more. I I have a decent singing voice. I don't have a great singing voice, but I have a decent one. And I learned about three or four years ago that I can really channel Billy Idol when I want to. (laughs) Now, granted... That's the last song of the evening, or at the very least, it's the last song I'm doing because it's like gargling razor blades trying to sing like Billy Idol. Yeah. But um, the good time player man himself, David Schultz, will tell you that is my go-to. And every yeah. time, and David loves karaoke. We both do. And anytime we're together, he's always like, hey, man, you got to find some karaoke. little Rebel Yell from you, buddy. <laughs> so, that's, yes, uh, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Was that, uh, was that surprising to you or is that what you expected? I, I have seen you do the Rebel Yell. So, yeah. yes. And I've actually got another one that's actually becoming my go-to, which is Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell, which <laughs> nice. I can also do pretty well. All right, nice. Kirby. little rapid fire. Okay. And this is occupation-themed today. Okay. You ready? Yep. Firemen or policemen? Policeman. Lawyer. Oh, let, let me real quick before we go. Let's go over the rules. So <laughs> let's be real clear here. I'm going to give you a choice. You pick one or the other. Okay. That's it. 
That's okay. that's how this works. So, so one or the or other. The other. Okay, there's got it. no other answer. Okay. okay, got it. Got it. Okay, I think we're on the same page. Lawyer or painter? Lawyer. Uber driver or bus driver? Uber driver. Waiter or bartender? Bartender. Boss or employee? Boss. Author or editor? Author. Working as a team or working alone? Depends on the day. Damn it! (laughs) There's a reason we went over the rules at the top of this. It doesn't depend on the day. Everything depends on the day. Answer the question. Uh, Working as a team. I'll go working as a team. (sighs) I just love firing you up. I was waiting for one that I could. Client meetings or client creation or content creation? Uh, Client meetings. Blogs or vlogs? Uh, Blogs. DMJ the podcast or unscripted? Unscripted, of course. All right, all right, all right. Well, next time, next week, let's try to get this right. Kirby. It's really not that hard. We hear from the good people out there all the time about how you screw that up every single week. But you know who never, ever, ever screws up, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? Oh, Kirby, I'm so glad you asked. That would be the good, good goods at CoLab. Ben Taylor from Bam Bams, Adam Walterscheid from T-Shirt Tycoon. They are coming together to give us that single PO solution in a very complex global supply chain. And they have just really kicked it off at ASI Chicago. And everything I've heard is that it's been nothing but a rousing success. And that makes me smile both inside and outside. So if you want to learn more, go to ttycoon.com slash CoLab. You won't be sorry you did, Kirby. I enjoyed podcasting with you this morning, and I hope you have a fantastic day in the bucolic town of Coshocton, Ohio. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.